On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. Jenny Anchondo here and it's another second shot sit down this is one that I, I you could say it was years in the making you know on this show we talk to people who have had life experiences that have perhaps given them a second shot a second perspective the idea being that we can all learn from it and sort of up level our way of thinking or our way of doing life. So our guest today is Star Hansen. She is a certified professional organizer. People call her the clutter whisperer. She's been on HGTV. She's been on OWN, TLC, A&E. She's a TEDx speaker. I've interviewed her a bunch of times and I am just so excited to talk to her, not only about organizing, really you guys, because don't tune out if you're thinking, ugh, Organizing is not my thing. Do not sleep on this interview because the lessons learned about our clutter and about our stuff and about what it means um, and, and, what it, and what it can reveal about who we are are really, really deep. This is so much more than talking about clearing out our stuff. So let's welcome in Star Hansen. Hi, Star. Hi, Jenny. So great to be here with you. Oh my gosh, you guys, she's in Tucson. I worked in Tucson years and years ago, still one of my favorite places of all time. So I'm glad that we reconnected. It was so crazy. We were in Clubhouse, the social media app, in a room and I was like, oh my gosh, star. Like, how are you? And I was happy to find out you're very much still living into your purpose as an organizer. So explain what that is, what, what, what an organizer does and what your profession is. Absolutely. So everyone thinks when they think of getting organized, they think of like the Marie Kondo of the world, right? I just want to make everything pretty and tidy and put away. But the challenge is that something goes on in the middle of that process that stops people from finishing. And that is where I pick up. So when you hit those emotional blocks and you're feeling like, I don't know how to confront this, I don't know how to do this, or you just find yourself like, you know, knee deep in Ben and Jerry's and wine and you don't know why you didn't finish your closet, <laughs> I'm the person you call to find out what in the heck is going on that's stopping me from making real progress. And not just in your clutter, but in every area of your life because clutter really tells the story of the blocks in our lives and we can use the clutter to set ourselves free. Well, yeah, so is this why I've gotten like my closet organized and the room organized, but the office is just like, it's, it's, it's almost like time has stood still. We moved in, we unpacked some things, and for one reason or another, there are certain things in piles, and I'm almost like, oh my gosh, if you could only see. Yes. Yeah, well, so every single room in the home represents an area of our life. And when we really know what that is, we can see the block that we're facing. Mm -hmm. And so the, the office, for your example, is that's the center of finance. That's the center of our purpose and our creative expression in a lot of ways. And so the question to ask yourself is, is there some sort of stagnation going on in this area? Is there a way that I want more and I haven't been reaching for that? Or is there something that I just need to give more time to before I can shift and change? Or is it okay that this feels like 
you know, kind of stopped in time yeah. because I love that moment and starting to really get curious because most people, when they look at their clutter, they start beating themselves up and fast. And we get so lost in the shame spiral and the fear and the overwhelm that we never get curious and really say, how is this helping me? Because I promise you, Jenny, it is definitely helping on some level. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. That's the thing, you know, people, I'm curious what it's like when somebody actually calls you in because they've obviously gone through, I'm, I'm going to guess people don't call you in if they have never tried to organize it themselves because they probably think, oh sure, like anybody in theory could organize their own stuff, right? It seems, you know, um, like from the outside looking in, it seems like it should be simple. Get your stuff and organize it and throw out what you don't need and, and move on with your day. But there's a reason why people call you. At what mode are they usually in when they call you? So normally they are in a huge state of transition in their life and generally speaking they've tried to get organized over and over again and something is just not working and that is when I'm called in is when they feel like they've hit all their resources and they have no idea why they're stuck. They are really starting to track that it's not about having the right steps or the right boxes or bins or categories that they really have something inside of them that needs to be released in order to be their strongest most free vibrant selves. And really the clutter is about so much more than clutter the you know the physical clutter is just it's really a knock on the door of your soul's greatest expression of what it wants to create in this world i have to tell you um something that when you and i reconnected we got on this topic that made me think oh gosh we've got to have you come on for the podcast and my my mom works as a housekeeper and she has often it's she has kind of fallen to this realm where people now know that she will come in and you know housekeep after the loss of a family member um, because not everybody wants to do that. Um, not everybody wants to go in and do that. And she's spoken about how, you know, she's okay with it, but she recognizes most of the world is not. Can you talk about how that works in your space, that sort of um, organizing after, after a death, after a loss, after, I mean, gosh, some, something tragic? Yeah, so the first house I ever organized was my grandfather when he passed away. And that was when I was 13 years old. And I had no idea that this was this precursor to the life that I would live. And what was fascinating about it was, is that I didn't know him in life. I mean, we didn't, we lived in different cities and he was, you know, he struggled with alcoholism. And so we weren't around him. And to go through and organize his space, I learned who he was. And I was able to kind of fall in love with this person that I never got to know in life because it wasn't really a safe situation for me to do that. And fast forward now, and it's it's a big part of my work is working with people after they've had a loss or right before the loss is occurring. And, you know, truly it's 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 open heart surgery when we're doing organization of these physical spaces when someone has passed. Um, my sister passed away 10 years ago and you know, I, the rule of them I always say is don't, don't, tr don't force yourself to get rid of anything for the first year. Like, just don't mm -hmm. like give yourself the grace and dignity of walking that path of grief because you are acclimating to an entirely new world that you don't want to be walking in. You know, that is not the world that you were hoping to be in and allow yourself the grace and ease of of that journey first and then you can start exploring because you have to really know this journey of organizing stuff when people have died is really a journey of healing and making peace with what was what never will be what is now and you want to go slow enough it's not a task to check off your list it is literally a journey that you are on you and probably your loved ones and that is the journey of healing through that loss and finding this new world for yourself what was you had already been working in this profession of, of yeah. organizing people when you lost your sister 
can you describe what that was like to have helped other people? And obviously you had done your grandfather's, but then, I mean, somebody as, as intimate as a sister to then yeah. go through, did you relearn about her? It was one of the most heartbreaking moments of my life. So my sister took her own life and the state of her house when she passed, she didn't pass in her house, but the state of her house spoke so much of the despair she had felt. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it. She was so good at hiding and it ripped my heart apart. I just, I mean, it's, I was almost catatonic for the first few months after her passing. I just, I could, I just didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other. It, it was such a trauma on my body. And, you know, the, the tricky part of it is she has a husband and she has my parents and they are higher up in the hierarchy than I am. And so I had to really take a back seat and do it at their pace. And there was a journey of, of really knowing her, but unfortunately in that case, it was knowing her pain. And I think that having to walk that journey was really, really tough because what I wanted to do, you know, and I did find this somewhat, it's like, oh, wow, look at these are the pictures she chose to keep. And this was the, this she chose to keep, but it was also seeing how empty the space was and how, how much despair covered the spaces. It was really, really hard. And then to feel like all those feelings of pain and shame and grief that it's like, how did I miss this? How did I, how did I not catch it? And, and that brought me so much sadness to have missed it and not have been the big sister I wanted to be. And and that there is why the the struggle with clutter is so real, because the truth is that if it was just about putting stuff in a box and putting it away or getting it to donation, we'd all be done by now. But the truth is there's layers built in of, of what we think we should have done and what might have been, and we have to sit with all of those. What was it about your sister's house that that showed you that she was experiencing something very differently than what you understood she was experiencing prior to her death it was it was the fact that it was it was empty almost it was oh. it was just i mean it was the fact that she had she had a few things that i had made her like crafts that i had made her she had some pictures and she had a few kitcheny household goods and some clothes and some books and that was all and and i know she had more than that i had helped her move before and it was just heartbreaking, heartbreaking to see where she was and again, the fact that I missed it. And my cousin was with me when we walked in and both of us just like, I mean, I honestly think it was one of the hardest parts of her death was walking into that house. And it's amazing the impact our spaces have on us. You know, I don't think we realized it until maybe the pandemic hit and everyone was suddenly locked in their houses and you can't escape from what your spaces are saying to you. And and it takes a lot of presence and peace of mind to be able to show up and say, this is hard and I'm gonna keep showing up because truly this is like next to a root canal. It's like root canal, organize your house. It's, right. you know, yeah, so. yeah, for real. Do you, was, do you think your sister was, was, plan was planning this and so she got rid of everything or do you think she just wasn't experiencing life? Because I thought, I thought Star, I thought you were gonna say, I knew that she was in this bad place because I got to her house and it was just full of stuff. Um, because that's how I have seen it manifest sometimes um, in, in, you know, loved ones. So I, I was really shocked to hear you say that. Yeah, it's, sorry, hold on one second. Oh, we're having a, we're having an interruption. Um, we'll pretend like it's oh, that's quick. okay. <laughs> so totally okay. The, so the challenge, so the, the challenge was, it wasn't that she just, I mean, I think anyone who struggles with suicidal tendencies is that it doesn't, it doesn't come up out of nowhere. It's an ongoing thing that you're struggling with. The way I put it is, is that when someone struggles with suicidal tendencies, it's almost like that's a door that's open in their mind that they can choose to walk through at any time. I don't have that door. I have other doors. So I have doors for 
eating sugar or traveling. Like if I get stressed out, I'm gonna hit the road or grab some sugar. Um, but I don't have the suicide door open. And my sister did have the suicide door open, which meant that for a very long time, she struggled with that being one of the solutions. So she had attempted before and you know, several times over the years. And I think that there was just, I think when that's one of your options and it's constantly on your mind as a, as a possibility, yeah, maybe there's a constant kind of shifting of how you live your life, knowing the challenge that's in front of you. Because I think what suicide really is to a lot of people is it's a solution. They're not, I think that I hear the most is people are like, oh, it's so selfish. And it's like, okay, sure, you can see it from that perspective or you can see it from the perspective that they are suffering and that they actually think that this is the best solution mm. for you and for them. So it's it's really looking at, okay, how do we how do we help them find other solutions besides that one? Because it's just one, like leaving this planet is just one, right. one tiny little solution that we can choose and that's the one that she picked that was successful that time. But it was, I don't think it was a conscious shifting, um, although there were certain elements of her passing that were conscious, she did clear out certain things. And I, you know, it's, it's a little strange to have lived this experience, Jenny, because you know, I watch a movie now and I know when someone's, when they've written into the script that someone's gonna go. Uh-huh. I can feel it coming like a freight train and it's like I brace myself. It should come with a warning label. You know, it's mm -hmm. like I'm not ready mm -hmm. for this. Um, because, you know, there were certain things that, yeah, she would kind of do a clear out that would happen of her phone, of her email, shifting a password so that it was clean and clear and not accessible. And so there was definitely a choice that was made, but I don't know that the space, the space was as conscious of a choice. Did your business sure. shift after you did that and after you experienced that and the way that you do business with people the way that you organize? Yeah, absolutely, Jenny. The way that it changed, the way my business changed was drastic. So before my sister passed, I, I really do feel like I was living a very superficial life. I was very self-focused. I really wanted, I was young and I felt like I you know, was new in my career and I wanted to make sure I was professional and known and seen. And, and you know, the minute she died, it was like this, this split went down my life and everything before just seemed so surface. And what I realized when she passed was how people have so many demons that they're fighting with that we never know. I didn't know how close she was to leaving. And I saw her and I talked to her regularly. So it's not as though she was out of sight, out of mind completely. And and it made me realize how much our physical spaces, our clutter, really is a beautiful outpicturing of our internal chaos. And it's one place where I can go and help people. And really what I'm doing is I'm not just helping you make sense of your clutter. I am helping you normalize the voices in your head that tell you you're not enough. Because if you know that you are enough and you know that you are worthy and you know that your clutter is normal and that it is okay to process in that way and that there is a way to get through it, you may not need to lose days, years, or your life in order to get to the other side of the pain that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh gosh. So it sounds like maybe prior to her death, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was, it was, it was the, 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 you were doing the organizing that people think that organizers do which is yes. come in, look at the stuff, judge it good or bad or yes or no, and, and move on and have a pretty after picture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was very much, and it was, how do I teach people how to get organized and have beautiful solutions and look right? It was all Pinterest worthy. And now you notice if you look on my sites, I don't care how your space looks. I don't because my version of done is different than your version of done mm. versus someone else's version of done. And I tell you, someone takes those beautiful pictures and they look gorgeous, but then your two-year-old comes in full of paint and guess what goes 
all over the place. So it's, you know, it's less about having it be a perfect paradigm that we're trying to maintain for the rest of our lives and instead allowing it to be a process, a process of loving ourselves, a process of evolving. One of the funnest things that I do in my career is walk in and see the directions that people are craving in their lives that they don't even allow themselves to see. And so the beauty of that is I can walk in and tell when somebody wants a career change and then I get to help steward that change by bringing that information to light and then watching that transformation flow because your clutter is really just requesting a shift for you. And, and that always comes with a beautiful transformation. I, I'm so, I'm, it's heartbreaking that you went through this loss. Um, it's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really remarkable that you were able to take this grief and, and you know, sort of be a steward for hope for other people and be able to transform your business and make it so much more than organizing. Um, can you talk a little bit about why, I guarantee there are plenty of people listening to this who have read the books and maybe even hired somebody and you know done a step-by-step. -step. For, for the people who are getting stuck and the organizing techniques are not working, why are they not working and how can they get past it? Yeah. So, you know, I think of a child having a temper tantrum in the shopping line, right? They want that lollipop. And what happens if you don't listen to them? They just get louder and louder and louder until either you give them that lollipop or they just have a full meltdown. And that's a little bit of what's going on with your clutter. So clutter is literally an outpicturing of something inside of you that needs and wants attention. So if you don't listen to it, if you keep seeing organizing as a task to check off the list, you're missing the greater lesson because there is a message in your mess. And when there is a message in your mess, you need to be able to stop and really listen and be present to what that lesson is. Once you hear it, it is incredible how the clutter just flows away. Um, I had a client who her bedroom was getting really, really cluttered. You could hardly even enter it. And it was full of like sweats, cozy clothes, towels, linens, bathrobes. And so we started deconstructing what was going on. And essentially what happened was she was in a very toxic relationship. And unfortunately, she couldn't leave that relationship. And because her house felt like a very toxic environment. She was looking for any way she could to find comfort, right? Because we looked at, okay, well, what happens? Where's all the clutter coming from? Well, a lot of it's from the bathroom. And the bathroom represents us being able to release things from our lives, flow with our, our, our feelings. And the fact that that's what she was surrounding herself with was this desire for comfort. We explored that. And I said, well, what are the other options for getting that need for comfort met? Mm -hmm. And she made the decision to get a dog because that was the thing that felt the most joyful and comforting to her. It would give her a buffer between her husband and she. It would allow her to have something to do. It would also be a loving force who always wanted to see her and be near her. And she got that dog and the clutter has not returned. And that is the power of listening to our clutter is you can actually get your true need met, not just simply the idea of it. So if it's not working, one of the best things you can do is to show up with curiosity, not judgment. There's nothing wrong with you for having clutter, but ask yourself, well, what might this clutter be helping me see? How might this clutter be helping me? What room is in? What is that room generally? bring me? What is its purpose? And so if you go with questions of love and openness, you will oftentimes find the missing piece that has been making the rest of your life a little bit harder. Do you think that's part of why people avoid it is because they don't want the judgment either from, you know, somebody in your profession or from themselves? 
Oh, yes. Judgment is huge. I mean, the truth yeah. is, I mean, I, I don't want to be judged. I get judged enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the truth is, before I even show up, people have judged themselves so harshly. I mean, they feel it's like when you clean for the cleaner, right? Someone, your mom goes to clean the house and they've already been cleaning it. You can't yes. come over and clean it. Yes, exactly. Yes. So she says, she's like, I'm not judging you. I'm here to do my job. Yeah, just let it all hang out. Yeah, so it's the same thing where people do, they feel they are so hard on themselves and how we do anything is how we do everything. So really it's like what you're experiencing, what you expect from someone else is generally what you're saying to yourself. So that's when we talk about minding our mind because if you assume I'm gonna come in and rip you apart, you know, I would I would invite you to look at the ways that you might be ripping yourself apart. And and the truth is, it's not as simple as that. You can't just say, oh, I'm being hard on myself. I'll just turn that switch off. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, we like, need more. Hey, I'll just stop doing that now. But it's, it's a constant evolution. It's a daily practice. It takes 17 positive things saying to yourself to offset one negative thing that you say to yourself. So if you think about that, like we would all be a little slower in criticizing ourselves because it takes 17 to reverse that one. And oh my gosh, the truth it's like, is, it's like how much water you have to drink after you have a glass of wine. You like, you may yeah. as well just not have the wine then because you're gonna have to drink oh. all this water. It's like that with the negative thoughts. It's a great, it's yeah. a, this is a great thing to remember, Star. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was from Columbia University. It was, I mean, it was really an interesting, an interesting finding. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Is that why we say, have you noticed this? I'm sure you have. Every time you enter somebody's house, not that I've entered anybody's house lately, but you know, pre-pandemic times, every time you enter the house, they apologize for the look of it. I'm so sorry for this, I'm so sorry for this, as if somehow it would personally impact me. And I, I have started to notice that now I do it, and I'm like, I don't even feel that way. I don't even actually feel sorry. It's not that bad, you know? But I've noticed, I had to stop myself from apologizing for the state of my house just because we live in it. Yes. What is that okay. about? Yeah, so two sidebars. One, I want to belong to the club where we as women can sit together and say, or any any being, can sit together and say, you look beautiful today. And an appropriate response is, thank you, I feel great. Yes. Instead of, oh, thank you, but I'm so sorry. I just, you know, like, oh, I put on 10 pounds after the holidays. Like, meh, meh. So side, sidebar. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the club with you. Yes, let's start yeah. a party of two and everybody else come join. Yes, I love that. And and the other thing too is, I mean, we'll try being the person that people clean for three days before you show up. And I know I'm getting the tour of the house. Like they, you know, and then there's the space I'm not allowed into. <laughs> but I do think, I think it's a, it's a discomfort with being authentic. And that's just something that we get to shift. I mean, there we don't need to live in this glossy, picture-perfect world where we're measuring up. That's the challenge of social media is because we're looking at everybody's beautiful, well-curated snapshot and not their real life. To me, honestly, Jenny, I'm way more interested. I would feel so much happier and warm if you invited me into your kitchen when it was covered with baking goods mm -hmm. and your daughter was running around and your husband's got a game on. Mm -hmm. And like, that is a home. Like, I don't care about your kitchen counter. I don't care about the floor. I just, I wanna be around a place where life is lived. And that's, it's one of the questions why, you know, that I ask people all the time, you know, what do you want to fill your life with? Like, what do you fill your space with? It's, it's so important to know that we are trying to fill our space with life, not stuff. It's not about the stuff. Stuff ages, we have to, it breaks, we have to maintain it, we've got to get rid of it. But I'm so much more interested in walking into a home that is alive. And so similar to let's belong to the club where we champion each other and ourselves in our joy. Also the same thing with our homes. Like how beautiful is it to have a family? And how beautiful is it to have the abundance to afford clutter? Mm -hmm. Like somewhere there's someone who doesn't have enough and what a beautiful symptom of clutter, you know, 
in being abundance. Like it is, it is proof that you've got a beautiful life that you're living. And I think no apology necessary ever whatsoever. Yeah, that's a great mindset shift for people to be able to just kind of like ruminate on it. Just kind of think about it the next time someone comes to your house and you're inclined to say, trying to apologize just for like existing or just for being there. So you have like this, uh, you have this amazing group that you're, I mean, you're transforming people's lives and situations with the group. So I do want to talk about that um, in a minute. But first, can you give us some steps for how, you know, if somebody's not working personally with you, how they can get started on this process of figuring out what's going on with their clutter and, and you know, moving on. Yeah, so it's funny, it's like, it's the thing I'm working on the most right now. I'm coming out with a course next month, it's called The Meaning of Stuff, and I basically am teaching people what each room means and what the objects mean so that they can diagnose their own clutter and then start to transform it. What you can do really at all times is like just so first of all approach it with curiosity not judgment That's the number one rule just ask yourself if you just posted that all over your house and shifted your mindset And that's way that way. That's a great start. So starting to look at it with love like what might it mean? You know what might that pile mean? So the questions you want to ask yourself is where is it? How long has it been there? what objects themes not specifics what what themes of objects are there is it paperwork is it linens is it toys um because that is really going to tell you the story so if you kind of, you know um we're going to anthropomorphize everything if your kids toys are in the bedroom right your bedroom is the sanctuary for you to sleep as well as your intimacy connection with your partner and so if you've got kids toys in there be thinking about, okay, are my kids too, too much getting between my partner and I? So questions like that, like, how can you just look at the themes of the room and the themes of the clutter and see, are they, are they working together? Is it that your kids actually need more space that maybe they're actually trying to insert themselves in that dynamic because they need a little bit more time with you too? Or is it that they're a little bit overloaded here and you need to invite them back into their own room more and so just really starting to deconstruct where the where the clutter is and what the clutter is to help guide you to what it means so you can let it go okay since since you were open to talking that's that's very helpful by the way um since you were open to talking about the you know the loss of your family members and specifically your sister uh, and I'm gonna try to ask this without getting emotional myself, but do you have any advice for after that year is up say you lose somebody and like, you know, I think some people are inclined to just maybe just get rid of everything and some people are inclined to keep everything. Well, how do we go about like holding onto the memory of that person without having it you know, take over our world or be a sad reminder? What, what do you do after that year is up after you lose someone? What a beautiful question, Jenny. That's just, it's really a, a lovely question. So what I like to do is I like to create opportunities for visitation with that person. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily even have memorabilia of boxes or a storage system. And that's that's a whole, we could have a whole conversation just about that by itself. Mm -hmm. But what you wanna do is you wanna create a box or a series of boxes devoted to your favorite objects of that person. And I have a box that's devoted to my sister and I have her my favorite objects, my favorite of her My Little Ponies that I remember her playing with as a kid, her journals, her pictures, things that are symbolic to me that really make me feel connected to her. So that's one thing I do is I actually have this box that is there and available. So every year on her anniversary and on her birthday, I can pull it out and I can have a visit with her. And that stuff is not sitting in my daily area, acting like a landmine, causing me to have pain and feel like a suffering every time I see it. So I allow myself to choose um, when I see it. The other, there's two other things that I do that I think are really helpful. 
Oh, three. I'll just let me just yes, give you please, everything. Please. <laughs> so, so that's one is really creating curated memorabilia boxes for your loved ones so you can visit them. The second one is I found it very, very helpful because grief steals our m- memory. I mean, I remember my boyfriend at the time. I said, "Honey, we never go out to dinner," and he said, "Honey, I took you out last week." Mm-hmm. Grief just sucks your mind away. You know, I just couldn't. So I actually kept a very active journal. I'm not a big journaler myself, but I journaled a lot when she died because I didn't want to miss out on remembering the kindnesses of the people around me. And the beauty of that is as I want to every year, I go and I actually on her anniversary and birthday, which are right by each other, I write you know, a passage of where I am with her, with her passing. And I really like, I I try to do something every year on that time on her birthday to celebrate her. So I go and have her favorite dessert and I go and do something fun and I I bring her energy with me. And then I journal what I experienced. And I always experience something magical on that day. Always. I love it. Um, The other thing that I do is I take something that I love and I put it in a very active space in my life. So in this case, she gave me, she was the first person who took me to Bikram yoga, which I love the hot yoga. And she gave me this adorable little purse that says yoga girl on it. And she's very connected with me in my yoga. So that is actually in one of my drawers and I see it every single day. So every time I see that, that one reminder, it's like my sister is winking at me. So really allowing yourself to build in a pathway for connection every day on your terms. And then the last thing that I will say is if you have objects that are painful, that you are not ready to deal with, or you can't deal with yet, box those separately. Do not leave them together with everything else. I have videos that I'm not ready to process yet. It breaks my heart to look at these videos because they show that I was not the perfect angel I thought I was. And I'm just not ready yet. And so those are in a box on their own, labeled and out of my way. You might have to do this with paperwork or estate stuff, but keep that out and available when you're ready or you need to deal with it, but not in your daily life kind of hitting you unexpectedly. Oh yeah, that's it's stuff, you guys, stuff's just kind of in limbo sometimes during grief. I gotta keep it together here, but think that that was, that was really helpful. I think that's going to help a lot of people because you can really just get, get stuck in limbo and almost uh, have things on hold really yeah. because you're you don't know what to do with it you don't want to dishonor them or you know shut them out um so thank you so much oh i knew this was going to happen I, I do want yeah. you to talk star about um this group that you have the, the way that you're working with people now especially my gosh during the pandemic to kind of help people from afar and do this virtually so they can help themselves explain how they can get connected to you in that way Absolutely. First, I want to acknowledge your feelings. What a beautiful goddess powerhouse that you can be in a professional setting and honor your feelings. Oh, that thank is you, so Star. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because I think it's, we have to hold space for both. It's not enough to just be one robotic version of ourselves and then try to try to shove the other one around. It's like our best selves, your best work comes from having that authentic, real presence. And well, it's the thank same. you for allowing me to be in that space. Thank you so much. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, with my programs, it's so what I noticed when I was working with people is that it took more than just, you know, one space and more than just like, oh, I've got to do this one physical room. Um, it requires whole home, whole life organizing. As I said, every room of our home represents an area of our life. And so when I work with you in person, I'm working in your entire home. And so what I did is I created a program called the Chaos to Calm Organizing Membership. And in the course of a year, 
year, we organize every single room in your house. And what's beautiful about it is, is we talk about the deeper meaning of the spaces and the deeper meaning of the stuff. You get this beautiful community to connect with because a big part of why clutter is not moving is because we feel so ashamed and we're not normalizing the fact that a lot of people feel this way and that there's nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. So you get this beautiful community, but we actually get to touch every room in your house. And then a lot of people never leave. They just want to repeat it again because, oh, this time I'll update my maintenance or, ooh, you know, actually I didn't really do that room last year because that happens. You know, you might do a first pass and it may be 25% done and it's improved, but the next year, ooh, you're ready for some next level shifts. And and it gives you the grace to work at your pace and to be aware of the holistic nature of living, which is it's not about you living one or two routes perfectly. It's like we have to touch every, you know, so many facets of our lives, right? You wake up and you're in connection with your health and your physical body, your family, your partnership, your career, your hopes and aspirations, your, you know, your intellect. There's so many elements of us. And so working through your art, your, your spaces in this way really help you to have a more holistic shift in your life and to move at a pace that really feels good to you. And so we've been doing that for, you know, we're on our, our second year doing it. It's been really beautiful to watch people come in. And then what I introduced this year, which has been a game changer, is something called the Organizing Playground. And it's basically a virtual or organizing community where we get together and I am in there too. And we organize together as a group. And man, I tell you, if you want to get things done and feel like you are like burning through your project list, like yesterday, like no one's business, um, you want to jump in there. It is incredible. You just get to work with this group of people. Nobody's really talking much. You can ask questions, but mostly we're just all getting things done. And there's, it's been scientifically proven that when you're doing work with alongside kind of in tandem with other people, you're more accountable, you're more focused. It's beautiful. And the transformations that are happening are out of this world. So that's been such a treat to watch and to experience people having such profound journeys. And because when I'm when I'm with you, uh-huh. there's a little uh-huh. bit of a crutch effort happening, right? Oh, she's here. She's not going to go home unless it's perfect. If I'm not there, uh-huh. you're relying on yourself. You're learning to trust yourself. And that's a big part of what organizing is, is it's learning to trust ourselves. It's healing the wounds from how we didn't take care of ourselves for so long. And now we're learning to put ourselves first. And we're learning to put our life in order again, starting with our self-care. And so it really is a beautiful journey to get to you know, partner with people on. Even just the verbiage, calling it the playground, makes it sound so much more fun than <laughs> I'm skipping out on the fun stuff this weekend and organizing while everybody else goes and does something. It really, like, that's just a beautiful language with that. Star Hansen, thank you so very much. Uh, the, her website, by the way, is starhansen.com. You can find her on Instagram at star.hansen. She has Facebook page, Star Hansen as well. And then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it is turnchaostocalm.com, right? That's it. Yep, that's it. <laughs> awesome. I'm just so happy that we are reconnected. Thank you for just being so open and um, and sharing part of your story and, and how it relates to organizing. It's really, really been a gift. Thank you, Jenny. I'm so grateful to be here with you. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure. And you guys, we will link up all of this uh, under our Second Shot podcast pages. And you know you can see these stories every Thursday on CW33. If you have a question, if you want to leave a rating, review, etc., you can get a hold of us at secondshotpodcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>